let's begin as people are coming in, but we'll get we'll get uh, started. And I, I want to start in uh, Psalms 45. Psalms 45. Hey, everybody. Yeah, gather in. You ready to go up into the heavens? We're prepared to ascend with you, Lord. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. My heart is overflowing this morning with the theme of the Lord. I'm addressing my psalm to the, to the king. Lord, make our tongues like the pen of a ready rider. We say this about Jesus. You're the, you are fairer than all the children of men. Graciousness is poured upon your lips. Therefore, we say about you, Lord, that God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, Almighty One, in glory and in majesty. And in your majesty, ride triumphant for the cause of truth, for the cause of humility and the cause of righteousness. And let your right hand guide you with the tremendous things. See what we're we we are actually activating. This seems so strange to so many people, but he says when we speak the psalm, we're literally saying back to the Lord what he's saying. And when we say it charges forth the Lord, even though he is king over all. When you say back to him, let your right hand guide. And he says in I believe Psalms 16, he says, at your right hand or uh, pleasures forevermore. The Psalm, Psalm, uh, Song of Solomon, it says, Your right hand will hold me. Jacob said, In the land of promise, only son born in the land of promise, he said. Rachel said, His name will be Benoni, but he says, No, his name will be Benjamin. He is son of my right hand. sometimes in the greatest place of travesty is the greatest place of promise what looks to be the greatest travesty when we look upon the face of Jesus Christ when we look upon his face everything everything dims out because we see we see the one and we say you're the son that's born in the land of promise and bring forth your promises, O Lord. And he says, let your right hand guide you to tremendous things. Your arrows are sharp. The people fall under you. Your darts pierce the kings, the hearts of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness. You love the upright. You love right standing with God and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. Lord, you're anointed with the oil of gladness above all your fellows. You're not anointed with madness, right-based, or sadness, left-based, but gladness. 
king's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in the gold of Ophir. Here, O daughter, consider, submit, and consent to my instruction. Forget your own people and even your father's house, so the king will desire your beauty. Because he is your Lord, be submissive and revere and honor him. And O daughter of Tyre, the richest of the people, shall entreat your favor with a gift. The king's daughter in the inner part of the palace is all glorious, her clothing's inwrought with gold. She shall be brought to the king in raiment of needlework with, with the virgins, her companions that follow her. She'll be brought to you. bring out this great end time move of this bridal company cause the bridal remnant to unite and Lord may out of your house come the great expression of you as king in all the earth and may you be glorified with gladness and rejoicing we will they be brought they will enter into the king's palace Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, and when you will make the princes in the land. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. We give praise to you this morning. We give honor to you, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father. We thank you forever. We thank you for the ever love, the everlasting love, the sin as we ascend, Lord, in this place. Amen. and love who is like my warrior he who rescues me he will avenge me it's only sit in darkness rejoice not against me
into your
Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, much more because I'm absent, work out. Carry out the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Take serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation. And shrink back from anything that may offend the Lord and discredit the name of Jesus Christ. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually, effectively at work in you both to will and to work and to do his good pleasure and satisfy with satisfaction and delight. Do all things without grumbling, fault finding and complaining and questioning and doubting that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation among whom you are seen as bright lights. Lord, you said, oh, you're going to bring forth the neutron star. stars, everyone differing in glory, begins to burn hot and burn bright in this age, in the midst of the dark world. Oh, light shine forth. Yeah, we, we've sat in darkness. Yes, we have. He is a great light. The light of all eternity, the light of the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Burn hot. Light break forth. Light break forth in us. You're the hope of glory. We want you, Jesus. Light break forth. Raise up your royal remnant, Lord, all throughout the land. Bring forth your light in us. Shine forth.
going to be a moment right here for healing and for identification. The Lord just he keeps saying, some of you need healing in this particular area. Stephen's getting the same thing from the Lord. There's been a constriction on your voice. But the things of the Spirit, it's like something's tried to come against you to stop. You from activating what you see. tries to nick at you and your consciousness to shut you down and not proclaim the heavens if you're dealing with that and I know we do this sometimes but if you're dealing with that like something that's trying to shut you down I want you to come forward and stand across this front because the word said uh, for us to go to where we're going in this event this morning we've got to deal with this particular issue so if you're dealing with this somebody's trying to close you off or shut you down the spirit of god that lives inside of you now listen to me you don't wrestle with flesh and blood it's not it's not your flesh and blood that's causing this or someone else's flesh and blood and i know because the enemy wants to draw us off get us turned against someone or something and say you caused this problem for me it's the powers of the air is wanting to stop the life of God that's operating in you and to constrict you it's like I saw something like it's like hands trying to come around your very own throat and shut you down is a mechanism of control and a mechanism of manipulation and let me tell you this does not come from the Lord he doesn't operate in force and he doesn't operate in an untruth when God operates by a spirit he's peaceable and kind and gentle it takes courage it's called fortitude fortitude is both the courage to endure through long periods of hardship. Many of you know this endurance in the Lord. This fortitude has got into you. But there's also the fortitude of attack. There's a fortitude that when a voice raises up in you, the voice of Holy Spirit in you, that you must go on the offensive, that you're not just called to endurance. You are called to the fortitude of both endurance and attack. There comes a moment when you must speak what heaven is declaring through you. You must write what heaven is declaring through you. You must sing the songs of Zion. There's a healing here because in our consciousness and from the past of our fallenness, things would try to come against us to shut down the very life of God that dwells in you richly. I pray by your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord, you bring healing. Healing in this revelation, Lord, of fortitude. That yes, we're called to a great perseverance all the way to the end of the age until we see you 
break up in the eastern sky. But Lord, we are called on the offensive as well. And the word of God that dwells richly in you. I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will be activated in your gifts and calling. And that nothing, and nothing will hinder his life flowing through you. Take all the hindrances away. Prayer pair us, Lord, not just for defense, but for offense. Declare the greatness of who you are in a perverse and wicked generation. Though, yeah, we've said in darkness, behold, a great light is coming forth. Break forth light in our inner members, fortitude to attack. Let the words come into your mouth. Let the life of God that dwells in you richly flow out of you.
Oh 
closer, oh, we're an incense that burns, a pleasing incense that burns, this is our praise, instruments of praise, the sacrifice of praise, his praise, his praise in our mouth. His praise in our feet, His praise in our hands, His praise in our eyes. Let your praises rise, 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 let your praises rise.
galaxies God who is spirit he is alive in me God of eternity wonders and majesty God of creation ancient alive in me God of all nations uncharted galaxies God who is spirit, he's alive in me. Ancient one, he is alive in me. God of eternity, wonders and majesty, God of creation. 
creation, ancient, alive in me. God of all nations, uncharted galaxies. God who is spirit, he is alive in me. He is alive in me. Uncharted galaxies, God who is spirit, he is alive in me. He is alive in me. Oh, let our praises rise. Let our praises rise. galaxies you're everywhere and you're right here in front of me inside of me all around me oh you're ancient yet you're alive in me up a warrior grab your sword grab your shield and run into battle take courage do not be scared off by the battle the Lord has placed right in front of you through this uncomfortable challenge that you're mired in do not be scared it is the battle the Lord has given you for this week take courage and run into it do not forget who you are you are a child of the living God the Lord designed this battle for you to win. He has a victory designed for you in this battle. Take hold of it. The enemy has no power over you except which you give him. Rise, O warrior. Take your sword, take your shield, and run into the battle. This is your time for victory. This is your time for victory.
holds all in place. He knows the workings of everything. He knows all he's planned for you. He's got it all. I wanted to share something because I feel like the Lord just keeps putting it on my heart. But um, I'm going to play something first, and I want to see if you guys know what it is because I didn't know what this was. But maybe you will, uh, as long as it don't tell you right off the bat. Hold on. It may be common. We're staying in Mills River, and this may be, like, common around there. I don't know, but let's just see if. Can you 
crazy? Do y'all know what that is? All right. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sound? Anyways, last night I, I was I woke up from that, and I mean it was like so close, and I kept hearing when it was going off. It was like all I heard was like why? <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing that right, but like, why? Like over and over again, like it was that saying why. And I actually had thought that um, Susanna or somebody had, or Elizabeth <laughs> had recorded their voice, like making a funny sound and made it an alarm on their phone. And it was going off in the middle of the night. Cause it was so like on timing, you know what I mean? And I got up and I walked to the, um, I'm just walking the house. I'm like, no, that's, that's like right outside. That's something real. And, um, and all I could hear, hear was why. But so this morning, I mean, I, I, I knew it was like right outside the window. So I just tapped on the window or just knocked the window and it went away. And, um, I looked it up and it's a red fox. It's a, um, the, and there's two, there's like three different sounds that they talk about with the foxes. They do like this they do like the bark, some bark. I think that's what you heard at first. And then the second one is called Vixen Scream. And actually it's like a mating sound, I think. <laughs> and, and, um, and then they have this other one that's like this playful bark. But um, I don't know when, you know, when you're awoke, you're awoke suddenly and things like that kind of like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Cause I, I fell back asleep and in my dream, my mom looks at me and she says, you know what that sound was you just heard, don't you, in the middle of the night? And I was like, no. She was like, you know what that sound was? And she said, it's a, um, a red-bellied dove. And I was like, okay, so that's all I remember this morning. I got the fox and I got the, um, the dove. And I'm just asking the Lord about, um, and I told Carol about it this morning because I was looking for it um, right away this morning. I was trying to figure out what the sound was. And he was like, you know, immediately he's like, Song of Songs, um, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And um, to beware of them, you know, because there's like a, there was a, the, there's a different sound that they make. The foxes make the sound, um, it's like a warning bark they do. And then the vixen scream is what the other one's called. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, it's like, I was just like, I just wanted to share it. Like, maybe you guys can get some words. But, like, I looked up Red Belly Dove because I didn't even know if that was a real thing. And there really is a Red Belly Dove, and it's called the Fruit Dove. And when you think about the vine and the fruit, you know what I mean? So I was going to read this part to you um, about when it says, Catch up the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. It might seem strange that in the middle of a romantic tender, tender conversation, the matter of a fox hunt should arise. As with much of the imagery in this beautiful poem, the foxes are symbolic. Um, Solomon's readers consider foxes to be destructive animals that could destroy valuable vineyards. Um, I'm just gonna, but. The command, in essence, is to take preventative measure to protect this love from anything that could harm it. And so, like, I don't know, like, to me, when the, in, when my mom says to me, you know, uh, in the dream, that's the red-bellied dove. Well, immediately with doves, you, 
I think of gentleness. You know, you're like, be, uh, what is it? Be, uh, um, yeah, why is a serpent harmless? Harmless, that's what I think. Harmless as a dove. And to answer the foxes that, that come to spoil the vine and to be aware of them in the blooming season. You know what I mean? When your love is blooming, that the Lord is tender and he's there and he's, and, and his love between us is blooming, but to be aware of it because the foxes will come to, to destroy the vine. But the way we answer them and the way we answer that is, is to be harmless as a dove. So anyways, I just thought maybe you get your own idea about it, but I just thought it was run its course you are the goodness and oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end and you are my reward where all the years have failed us. And oh, my sweetest friend, you are the house around us. You are the goodness in the end. And everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. run its course you are the goodness and oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end and you are my reward have failed us and oh my sweetest friend you are the house around us you are the goodness in the end
the kindest and oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end and everything I ever wanted it is found in It's found in you, oh, everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. Come avalanche, come goodness and fall, for we are found in you.
my constant, my king, and brother, my home is ever where you dwelling. Suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. And the king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before his power. No one dared to breathe a word against him, for he had the strength to crush all his opponents. And yet this mighty king was melted by love for a humble maiden who lived in a poor village in his kingdom. How could he declare his love for her? In an odd sort of way, his kingliness tied his hands. If he brought her to the palace and crowned her head with jewels and clothed her body in royal robes, she would surely not resist him. No one dared resist him. But would she love him? She would say she, she loved him, of course, but was she truly? Or would she live with him in fear, nursing a private grief for the life she had left behind? Would she be happy at his side? How could he know for sure? If he rode to her forest cottage in his royal carriage with an armed escort, waving bright banners, that too would overwhelm her. He did not want a cringing subject. He wanted a lover, an equal. He wanted her to forget that he was a king and she a humble maiden and to let the shared love cross the gulf between them. For it is only in love that the unequal can truly be made equal. The king convinced he cannot elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom. He resolved to descend to her. He clothed himself as a beggar. He approached her cottage with a worn-out cloak fluttering loose about him. It was not just a disguise. The king took on a totally new identity. He had renounced his throne to declare his love 
and to win hers. Some years ago, while we were still in the fire department, I, uh, you know, obviously, and I'm, I believe many of us have probably had some level of struggle in our relationship with the God. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I uh, you know, we're just like, we want you to come and hang out with us, Lord. Well, sir, sort of, first of all, you start out like Stephen and I was talking this morning as a mercenary. I think so many people, I mean, even Jeremiah in Jeremiah 20, verse 7, he'll say, you tricked me, Lord, because he's down in this pit now because he went all the way for the Lord and the king threw him into the, to the pit. And I think mercenary nature is inside of a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, they want to do what they do for hire or for pay or to get some level of reward. And as the Lord begins to wash us of our mercenary nature with him, and he becomes your highest reward himself. And it begins to wreck all your stuff, you know. And then you're just kind of like, can get like high and dry, forlorn. You don't know what to do with yourself anymore because this man has messed with you. And then all the shame begins to come off and the guilt begins to come off and you realize that you're just dearly loved. And, and you thought you were gaming for, for something maybe. And, and then you find, like we're Stephen singing, you are my reward. And um, I remember being in there, I'm just like, probably struggle every single week. Um, and this kindness of God would just sweep into the room and just a little bit more of let me have a little bit more. And he's so gentle because he will not impose himself upon you nor manipulate you. He's very gentle and he's very kind and he's very loving, obviously. He is love. And I was reading Soren Kierkegaard, which is, that, that was called The King and the Maiden from Kierkegaard. And he has some other works that are just really phenomenal. And he was talking about what would a God do who is perfect in holiness? I mean, he's righteous. He's, he has an, he's absolute truth. He's the path. He is life. But what would he do if he came near to us? And he points out that the lover, he may run the risk of the lover because the lover may perceive him as darkness because his holiness would implicate by light our lack of selflessness, our lack of holiness. And that in that moment, we would want to run from him. And so many have. They flee from him because the goodness of who he really is I like what Melinda said last week. She says, I love love. It's my favorite thing. 
And I love her saying that. I love love. It's my favorite thing. And her daddy had told her when she was five years old, honey, live your life to love and walk in forgiveness. She telling me this yesterday. And I think it's such a beautiful way to have your daddy present a lifelong goal. Live your life to love and forgive. And so God comes near. And when he does, St. John of the Cross said, it would be like looking into the sun. And if, if you've ever looked into the sun, it'll darken your eye that we would perceive God as darkness instead of the light that he is. And so when Solomon and Moses and others are saying he dwells in thick darkness for he is light, it's the perceptibility of the human soul cannot or will not many times receive this love. This love is essentially doesn't set itself first. Um, this love is so kind and gentle again. And he, he's very, well, I said this to you, I think he's like a little child that's 10 million years old. He has this playfulness about him, but he has the wisdom of the ages. And when this love comes near, the vacancy of the human soul represents because it wants to push him away. Because the implication of our lack of holiness, he comes near to change us. And if you and I and many others will just sign up to just go again like he did this morning. Just come again to him. And when you feel that you don't understand and you feel left high and dry and you can't figure out where you're at and you've lost all your control and you go blank slate and you have no mind and you can't adjust your emotions and you can't understand, it may be that God is nearer to you than he ever has been. And if you will just wait, and this is what I've come to know, he will meet you every time with the ever love. He's been putting this word into my heart, the ever love. The everlasting love comes down out of the heavens and reigns into the human heart. And all of these prickly things that are irritating the living daylights that Kara's talking about, the little red foxes, they just vanish. Because this ever love, it just washes us. And the prickly things are there many times because they're exposing us. And make the double movement is the way I understand this. The vacancy comes in the darkness. Moses says, I want to run into the darkness where God is. And he ran into the darkness and beheld the light. Let the light become that which radiates into your heart and changes you. Go after ever love. He's the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's good. I mean, and have we all been characterized in our past by that which was excellent in character? And no. No. But go after ever love. Go after him. And let him renew your mind. Let him... Um, Receive the divine nature that Peter talked about. Because God is the great exchanger in his impartation of holiness and righteousness. Many of you in this room, as far as I know, have been imputed with righteousness in your justification. You've been saved by him. But in this impartation of righteousness, 
It's in the running into the ever love. And then there you're transformed. You're transfixed into him. And this will result in a transfiguration that will lead to a glorification. There's a point when the human soul will no longer resist him. Because you will look like him because you will see him as he is. And this is, this is what we're after. Let me say this. And, and many will fall away in this hour. Because the offense of God's holiness tells us not to choose ourselves, but to set him as our highest value. Because he is our reward. And everything else is secondary to him as the primary And everything, and I mean this, and you know this, but everything, our cultural identity, our socioeconomic position, our political agendas, our our social justice initiatives, every bit of it is secondary. Our our identity and and, uh, our relatedness to others, everything um, is secondary to beholding Him and becoming like Him. Everything. And in this age, it will be characterized by uh, people like this. And, and, uh, and these end-time ministries, that's, they, w- they come under John the Apostle's, um, his apostolic work in the earth. You know, I asked the Lord, I said, he said, pay attention to Peter. That's powerful because you get a greater constituency. Do you know what I mean? You get a greater harvest with Peter. But John's the apostle of love. The end times are characterized by the love of God, not just great evangelism. I mean, thank God for a greater constituency. Thank God for a, for a billion soul harvest. But there's something beyond the billion soul harvest. It's God in man. It's God uninhibited. It's, it's, it's God where he finds not just a place in man, and not just a dwelling place, but a resting place. A place where he doesn't have to anymore contend with man because man is in full agreement with who he is. And if we give up in some way all of our rights to him without him enforcing that upon us. This is the great move at the end of the age. You and I will lay out everything for him. And in the ever love, and this is what we're contending for, that in the ever love in the ministries of the end time, that it'll be so pervasive in our atmospheres that anybody that he has forced, longed for it, they will just instantly give their whole self to him. And I'm contending for this, and many of you here are. Someone asked me yesterday, how do you do this? And I said, well, that the Holy Spirit would so take over us in the ever love. And the movement of the human heart, they would create an atmosphere where he is completely invited. And in that atmosphere, others would be drawn in that atmosphere. And they would just, it would knock them unconscious. And they would come up completely changed. That's what we call an awakening. And um, he woke me up this morning. He's like, the collider's constructed. And I said, oh, that's good. And, uh, you know, it's kind of odd. And, you know, he's like, I put the het and the tet together and I made a collider. And I'm going to flash forth a light through it. And I said, yes, Lord, I don't understand what you're saying. 
they won't understand what I'm saying. But I agree with you, Lord. It's really interesting because the het, which is the eighth letter in the Hebrew, it comes from the vav and the zayin, and the vav is the masculine and the zayin is the feminine. And then the tet, they say, is the part that happened in the fall of man, where man would either judge the enemy and tell him out of the garden, or he would fall to the enemy and not rule over the enemy. And the Lord said, in this house, I will have both the het, the vav and the zayin, the male and fem female dominion uh, distinction, with an overcoming company of restoration, I will put that together and I will make a wheel. And I'll turn that wheel and I will begin to spin that wheel. And I, he said, now well, it's a particle accelerator. And he said, the next letter is the yud. And he said, I'll accelerate that particle within the collider. And he shared with me this morning, I'm going to blast forth my light like a neutron star. And, and P Peter talks about this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They said they beheld him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, this word is sure. P Peter said that. And he's imploring the church to come into love. And I, and I said, Lord, it's into brotherly love. And this is just the laying of the foundation, brotherly love, is the laying of the foundation to begin to apprehend the glory of the Lord in the transfiguration. But he says, the morning star shines forth. It, the morning star lifts up into the human experience. Folks, what's about to happen on, I mean, what is coming on you? And on this end time glorious bride is unprecedented. The world has never seen anything like this. A global family, a royal family, not just one ministry leader or ten ministry leaders, but a global family that is blasting forth the Lord like a morning star shining forth. And, and, uh, and this, this will happen in the end of the age. And we're in the place, and I'm, I want to challenge you this morning that because to give over to love. Don't resist love. Even if you have a framework, make the movement of love. Even though you have a right to your own right, make the movement of love. On the other side of that is glory. Make them repetitively. Someone does you wrong, bless them. Someone takes and rips you off, Give them some more things. I mean, go for this thing. Don't back off. You know, because I think so many have got so hamstrung with this, and it gets them, and they're just like, they get locked in because of the pain. And I want to encourage you, just go for love. Give and forgive. Just keep doing it. Um, something happens to you. You get, you get, you get wrecked. You get transformed. Um, sign up again. Today, when we depart, sign up again for love. That one thing that's like driving you crazy, that one person, that one situation, go for it. Yeah, but you have a right. Yes, I know you have a right. Lay your right down. Go for love. Amen. Amen. Let's take up an offering. Lord, we just thank you this morning for the blessing to love, to just... If you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, Jesus said, we say back to you, Lord, 
that we just sign up for that, not some kind of false loss of life, Lord, but one that promotes you and promotes your gospel. Just pray that you give us that wisdom to know how to act, to know where the avenues of love would most greatly be demonstrated. Help us not to draw back, but to run into you. And Lord, we thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your love. Thank you for this offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bless you as you give. How can this not be a dream? I'm stuck in my own little reality And the pain you bore, the shame you took It was all on account of me Amen. I want to pick up last week <clears throat> with um, and just and build off of last week out of where we were at in Colossians chapter three, uh, verse twelve, and then we're going to launch out of that into uh, a couple places today. Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. Remember, he says, clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. And um, another translation would say, those who are the elect of God. And I was mentioning to you last week the importance of, you know, just understanding your election. Uh, that you were selected by him actually before the foundation of the world. And uh, I've got a podcast. It's called Genesis Zero. And if you ever want to listen to that, I... I don't like delve into all the aspects of predestination and election, but I want you to like understand as the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that the more that you understand and integrate with the fact that you have been chosen by the Lord, the more you can move towards what we're going to, what I'm going to speak to you about this morning. There's something that comes with being chosen though, and I, I want to highlight this. That when you're chosen for salvation and God elected you for his very own, election comes with something. It comes with determination. If, if someone picks you and says, I'm going to invest my whole self into you, they, they kind of have the right for determination. I, you know, I'm speaking about this God this morning that is not going to come and move on you and just oppose uh, control you and force you into anything. He's, he is definitely not like that. But there's something in, in us when we know that God has selected us and chose us 
and that we are important and special to us, that as you grow in grace, you begin to come more and more into this understanding that Paul write about it in Romans 12, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. And there becomes this switching in the human heart of I'm going to predetermine my own destiny to I'm going to take the predetermination of the Father. I want your determination. Actually, I want your double determination. Um, we, we call this technically double imputation because God came and imputed us or liberated us from our sin. But he also gives us his reward. We want God's determination. And I, and I, I think for so many years, at least for me, I was kind of like going around my life, I'm going to do this thing the way I want to. I'm going to predetermine, I've predetermined, anybody else made the seven-year plan? I mean, 10-year plan? I did that when I went to college. I had my seven years written out in advance on a yellow pad piece of paper. I knew every class I was going to take, how I was going to get selected in the Air Force. I had that thing laid out, my predetermination. And many of us have set predetermination and when the Lord, when we go and begin navigating to the Lord, we realize that, and it was a big shock for me to be called into ministry because my predetermination was telling me I'm jet set, you know, I'm going to Operation Iraqi Freedom, I've got something, I'm a knight, I'm going to defend my nation, that kind of thing. It was my own predetermined, cognitive predetermination. And when the Lord comes in and arrests you, you're basically, what you're doing is saying, wait a minute. You're not just Savior, you're Lord, and I'm going to take your determination. And I, and, I, and I think a lot of war that goes on inside of people is, well, if, if I take your determination, I'm going to lose out. Anybody else experience this? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to lose out, and, and um, actually, you are. Uh, just, let's just be honest. You're going to lose your life. For his sake in the gospel, you are going to lose. Um, anybody years ago watch uh, that movie, uh, A Knight's Tale? Anybody ever see that? And that's, he's, this, he's this like knight, he's this you know, like young up-and-comer like guy, and he finds out, he kind of comes out of poverty, and he finds out he's really good with a lance, and, and uh, he starts knocking these other you know, guys off their horses and he's like progressing and he's about to like platform himself as the lead knight in the, uh, the whole realm. And I mean, this guy, he doesn't come from anything or whatever. And I think it was Heath Ledger actually that played that role. And uh, in, in the film, he uh, goes into this chapel and he's, there's this princess, you know, and she's like, uh, she has the upper class thing going and you know she's got all that royalty and everything and he's just the uh, rogue knight right and he goes into this cathedral I'll never forget what happened in that and she says something really interesting to him because he's like I love you you know I'm into you and stuff like that and and uh, she said she says if you love me go out there and lose and I mean I'll never forget that because you know, I mean, who wants to lose? You know, no, I, and I, who wants to go and, like, expend their life in loss? 
I don't think anybody, if they were truthful, would say that that philosophy is something I want to engage in. I, the world system definitely is not, but we've had many in the church that in some way are trying to win. That they're trying to game themselves and platform themselves and get into something and make something happen for them. And, um, and I, I don't know if you see this, but every time that you game for that, you actually lose. Are you ever really fulfilled? When you go try to win for you, it, it, I mean, it literally, as a Christian, it does not work. I mean, I remember years ago, I was like, I want to win, you know, and I'm persisting against God's determination to lose. <laughs> I don't want to be seen like that. I don't want you to walk me into that and make me look like a fool. I don't, I don't want to run that thing. I don't want to go out and, and uh, 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 uh. You know, I, I'm the man, you know, I just, uh-uh. I mean, other people know it when we're that way, maybe better than we do. But nobody just really usually wants to sign up for loss. And let me just say this morning, Jesus is really clear. I've got another podcast on this called Formula One Drive. That you, that you and I actually, as, a, as his created human beings, were made by him to go lose our life for his sake in the gospel, and yet we would find it. You want a great self-discovery, a discovery of who you are? You must engage with this mechanism that Jesus has set out. Let's just be clear. And what you're doing when you do that is you're saying, when you say you do it for Jesus' sake, it's your determination as Lord the way I'll go lose my life. No one else is to take your life and tell you how to lose it. Jesus even says, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay my own life down. No one's to go around and tell you how to lose your life for Jesus. That's between you and Jesus. I mean, you ever judge somebody in that too? You know, they lose their life that way. I don't, I don't have to because they're like simple or... You know, the other side of it, like, I'm, I lost my life like that, but they didn't have to. You know what I mean? It's Jesus' prerogative. He knows what's best for all of us. He knows the initiative that you need to take to say, I'm going to lose. You know, back to that story, he goes out and he gets on that night. Uh, he's that night, and he's that guy, and everybody's thinking this is his moment to win against the other like lead night, and he goes out and he lets him knock him off his horse. It's the picture that I was giving you with the maiden and the king this morning. That, <clears throat> And now I'm going to tell you this world is hostile to this message. It's telling you get into self-actualization. It's telling you do your own thing. It's The whole world system is built on that, my rights, my pride. It's, it's, I, I do whatever I want to, and the Lord is saying no. And I, and I think I'm around a company of people. I just want you to understand, because things are coming up, and they're causing us to bristle. And the Lord's like, are you willing to lose right there with me for love, right? You can't do that. Listen, you cannot do that. And this is where I want to lay a foundation and jump into this with you this morning. You can't do that if you don't know deeply that he loves you, that you've been chosen by him. John 13, let me just show you this. Jesus, John 13, Jesus is going to wash the disciples' feet. And it says something very interesting. 
before he girds himself with a towel and he gets down to wash their feet, the text says something very, very, very interesting. The Holy Spirit highlighted this to me. It says that he knew, knew here means to have intimate knowledge with, very intimate knowledge, that he came from God and that he was going back to him. This is election and predestination. He, he, he knew by intimacy. Listen, because some people would say like, oh, that's Jesus. Of course he knows that. No, no. You and I are meant to know by intimacy. I, I, well, a friend of mine one day called it Genesis Zero. You're meant to know by revelational experience that you came from him and that you're going back to him. Otherwise, all Christian life and the loss, the loss, it won't make sense and his determination. And this is why this doctrine that I'm speaking of this morning and Paul really spelled it out strongly is important in the believer's life. Colossians 3.12, clothe yourself in this. You know, we put on different clothing every day, but he's saying, you know, we, we put on clothing to cover our nakedness. He, he's saying that the clothing that you need to put on, and you need to put on regular clothes as well. Thank you. <laughs> but as the shame comes off and the guilt comes off, clothe yourself, put this on. That you're God's elect. It's, it's crucial. Because out of that, realizing that you're his. And, and I would ask you, if you haven't had an experiential revelation of this, I, that's a language Brad uses, the perceptive experiential revelation of the son. I, I said, Brad, you're speaking of a person. P-E-R, son. I was like, Oh, you're into personhood, real personhood. You know, if, if you don't have that, ask the Lord for it. Ask him to give you a revelation. Before MZ Hop began, the word came to me, and it's, uh, I have a story called Potter's Clay. It's on a podcast, but I deal with this. And he brought this revelation to me, and it grounded me more than anything. As far as the east is from the west, or the predestination election of God has been satisfied it's that foundation upon which you actually are called into holiness and to love. And the greater that revelation is to you, the easier it'll be when you're dealing with something to push through and give love and forgive. Because you know you're loved. You are involved in the ever love. He, he's completely changed you. And then last week, I, and you can listen to last week, it's called East Over 3 uh, on podcasting. You, you can listen to the sermon last week, and I'm just laying a foundation this morning because he says, know this, that you are purified and holy. I pray that we can get a revelation of what Paul's, the glory of what he's saying here. Because so many people are so introspective about particular aspects of character, it throws you right out of the ever love. I mean, I, I, tell me you don't know what I'm saying. 
with a hand, like or something. You know what I'm saying? The over-introspection of the self, the over-introspection, uh, I don't know what you call it, of somebody else's self is a distraction. He says, I'm not saying that you shouldn't repent when you do wrong. I'm not saying that because that's, that's a hyper-grace message. We're not into that. If, if you act in a wrong way or do something wrong to someone, first ask the Lord to forgive you and deal with it. Make it right. But, but don't get into this thing that I'm just so unholy. He said that you're purified and holy. Um, I don't know what the tense is in the Greek on that, but maybe you can study it. It sounds like to me that he's saying present tense, you're purified and holy. And I don't know if it's a, I don't know what it is, but in the Greek, look at it. I don't know what tense it's in, but you're well beloved by God himself. And let this be the foundation of your life. Because the enemy's out to assault us and point fingers and get us off and get us out of the ever love. I mean, he, he gives some character qualities here. He says, be tenderhearted with pity. He doesn't say self-pity. He says, give others that. He said, be reverent, be merciful, have a kind feeling. Don't have a high opinion of yourself. Um, be patient, suffer. Nobody, nobody likes that one. Yes. <laughs> have a good temper. Be tempered well. This all comes from knowing who you are in him. Have you noticed that whenever love comes into you, how all these qualities just flow actually without effort? I, I, mean, I know this because Kara and I have six kids. <laughs> if something's trying to throw you, something's trying to move you out of the ever love, and you got to return back to, no, I'm loved in him. Um, so I, I want to move into, and I, I alluded to this, but I really sense the Lord wants me to get into this with you this morning. And so I want to go into Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1 chapter, excuse me, Second Peter 1 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicited, solicitous. We went to someone's house on Friday night and it said, no solicitation, no solicitor, you know, or don't solicit here, you know. But people don't like solicit, you know, solicitors just kind of hanging around them. But he's saying, be solic the Lord's saying here by Peter. Be solicitous. Like, hang out around this. Like, y'all get off my porch, you know. Leave me alone. And the Lord's like, through Peter saying, no, don't do that. Stay right here. Stay in a place of being solicitous and eager. Like, hey, 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 what's going on? You know, uh, eager. Hey, what you doing? Hey, like that. Eager. To make sure. To ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. Now here we got Paul, the apostle, Colossians chapter 3. Hey, put on clothing like this of your, that you're the elect of God. 
Now we've got Peter, right? And he's saying this in 110. He's saying, hey, get solicitous about this. Hang out on the porch of this and get really eager. I want you to look deeply into these things. I want you to strengthen. I want you to actually ratify like an agreement that you would have like in a, in a document between a king and a vassal. I, like a constitution. I want you to ratify this in your heart. I want you to like go after this. Go after this with all of your heart. Be steadfast about this. Be steadfast about this. Uh, Stephen, I know you know what I'm saying this morning because... He, he's, he's talked to me extensively about this, but how everything is trying to move you off of your election and get you into another mindset. It's like the whole world system is trying to get you off of, I'm loved by the Father. And he's talked to me extensively about this, about recentering, recentering, recentering. Oh, Brad Ames, he's really big on this. Get your eyes on Jesus. Don't even look at the... Um, of these side things. Henry, he like embodies this. He just hugs you and you're just like, I'm loved by the Father, you know. I'm loved, you know. Some of you, you like proclaim it, you know. However you do, but be strengthened in this reality of not just your election, but the calling that goes with your election. This is what I'm getting at this morning because fortitude of endurance and attack are both important. You need the fortitude of the Lord to endure through what you're going through in this life. And that fortitude comes from the knowing that I'm chose by Him. Some of the people that mean the most to you in your life are the ones who choose you, actually. Like if they had anybody else to hang out with, they'd hang out with you. And it means a lot to you. You love to be chosen. Everybody does. I tell you, I've, I've watched the gospel penetrate people just from that. When they know that you care enough about them that you like highlight them for a moment and you spend some time with them, it means something to us. But he's saying, let your calling and election be sure for if you do this, listen. Listen, you will never stumble or fall. Anything that's not faith is sin. Anything that's not set on him gets you into sin. Listen, he's like, if you understand this doctrine, you don't have to understand it intellectually, but you know that you're chose by him and you're engaged in the call that he has on your life, you will neither stumble nor fall. No way, Carol. This is in the text. This isn't me. I'm just, all I can do is bring the text up. I... I didn't write the text. The Lord, by the Holy Spirit, wrote this text. You don't have to live a life of, oh, man, oh, man, I'm down again. I can't get, or whatever. I quit. You don't have to live like that. You can live like steadfast, going, oh, you love me. Oh, you love me. Oh, you love me. Just ease, uh, meekness flows out of you. Humility flows out of you. The life of God flows out of you. It's just like that all the time. The ever love. Well, he goes on down through this, and I mean, I can't do it justice today because I would keep you here for the next 10 hours, and I still wouldn't even break ground on this text, and I don't know if anybody would appreciate that. I mean, I'm willing. 
because I love God's word. And I'm just like, I would go through every little nuance with you. And we could stay here all day. And I will not quit. But I, I want to jump into something because that's the foundation I want to lay for you. And then I want to build off this foundation with you that Peter and Paul were building off for us. He gets down a little bit further and he begins to say, like, let's put on like brotherly love. And, and, and this is like a, a place that begins to happen in you. You begin to love one another. He, he says, well, it's a little bit actually before this, he, he's, he's saying that. And he's like, we want you to come into this love of union. And then he says something that's really interesting to me in verse 13. I think if right, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I want to stir up by way of remembrance since I know that I'm going to be laying aside this body of mine is going to come soon. Now, it's really important to like take this really crucially. This is the Apostle Peter. This, isn't, this guy has been wrecked by Jesus, and he's saying something. He's kind of giving his, like, before I die, if, if I was to say anything to you, this is what I'd want to say. And I, and I think that, that we should take this serious because this man has really went, I mean, he's, he, he, was, he was sifted as wheat. Satan attacked him. He betrayed the Lord. He preached in power. He's done all kinds of things. He's walked with the Lord. He's, seen, he's walked on water. I mean, this guy has been in it with the Lord, and he believes the Lord, and he's getting toward the end of his life, and he wants to tell us something. And when you've got a senior elder like this, a senior apostle, I mean, big A apostle, he's got something to say. We should pay attention to it. I'm about to go, and I need you to listen to me. I'm intently wanting to remind you of these things. I want you to take, I want them to take hold of you. Listen to me, listen to the Apostle Peter. After my departure, I'm going to be deceased. You can call these things to mind. What does he say? Hey, we were not following cleverly devised stories. When we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter's not making it up, is what he's saying. Other people... We've heard fables and fairy tales and all of that, and they inundate our culture. He's like, this is not at the level of fairy tale or fable. This is the legit thing. I'm telling you, I beheld the majesty of the king. I saw him in his sovereign power. He's invested with honor and glory. From God the Father, and a voice was born to him by this majestic glory and a bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying,
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and delight. You think about all the things that could be said out of the majestic glory. All the things that could be said in life. Every fable, every storyline that's ever been written, all of our different stories. The majestic glory utters one thing, there's the Father out of the heavens. And Peter really wants us to get hold of this. He knows that in the end times of what the early church was facing and what we'll face here soon to come, that this would be essential. It's, it, he's like, I got to get this into you. And he's not just saying words, guys. He's bringing forth the revelation of God to man. This is my beloved son. I am well pleased and delight. We actually, he says, we heard this voice. It was, I love this. He says it was born out of heaven. The earth has a lot of things to say, folks. But the voice born out of the heavens. That God sets my personal, deep intimacy. My, my, my own. He says that in his first word. He says, be loved. He says, he says the ever love. He says the beloved. He says that is the first promise of way God out of the heavens through light mediates his voice. That's born out of the heavens. That light that comes forth, beloved. My, no, beloved, not just beloved. That person's beloved by someone else or that. No, my beloved. The ever love. Mine, son, he's someone that out of this beloved nature, my son is like this word. I don't know if you know this word, plenipotentary. Do you know this word? Do you know what a plenipotentate is? No. A plenipotentate is someone who can, is authorized to go to another nation by the king or the leader of that nation, but the king of that nation or the leader of that nation doesn't tell the pointy potentate what to say. There's such an investment into them that they know that whatever they say will fulfill whatever that king's desire would be anyways in their heart. This is pointy potentary. When God says, my beloved son, he's saying in effect that he so knows me intimately and he knows that I'm his and he is mine that his heart beats exactly like mine does. And when he's in a different location, no matter what that location is, he would do exactly what pleases me as father. There's no inhibition in him. There's no seeking for self. There's nothing except he knows that he's my beloved. So wherever he's represented in the earth, he looks just like me, Philip, right? Show us the Father and we'll believe. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. My beloved Son, in whom I have great pleasure and delight. Did you know that 
Now, we're raising six kids, and, and we love our children, but as you get more down the road, and I know some of you grandparents know this, but we're learning this in our family. The more I get down the road and raising my children, the more I realize, and again, you parents, you know, look at me, duh, Carol. But the more I've realized, the more I delight in my son, my youngest, and, and of course the other five, but the more I delight in them and then uh, pleasure comes into them, it activates them and they want to do what's right. I don't even, we have less discipline in our house now than we've ever had. I, I don't have to discipline them hardly at all. Because out of delight, there's some correction, right, Susanna and Elizabeth? But out of delight, you grow up and delight faster than you do with a fierce hand. You grow way quicker. You go from delight to delight to you're pleased. Okay, yes, you, you didn't do that right. Let me show you how to do this right. I love you. You move faster. You move faster out of delight. This is why this is so important in the end of the age that we have a revelation of the Son that's beloved, that's a great pleasure and a delight. Peter's saying this because he wants us to know this. Paul's saying this because he wants us to live like this. Not in the beatdown. No, like, oh, I'm loved. You're loved. And you'll throw off sin and problems so fast when you feel like that. You'll just be like, whatever, man. I don't need to hold on to anything anymore, just the love. This is the, this is the great word, he says. And this is the prophetic word that is made even more firmer still. And you do well if you'll pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in the darkness. You see what we're saying? The fire that burns hot in us is I'm, I'm loved by him and, and uh, deeply, deeply loved and pleased and delighted in. The great transformation of the ages in that. And so in the dismal life of the squalid and dark places, the day breaks. And the morning star rises in your hearts. I asked the Lord, what's this morning star? He's like, it's going to happen. It's like a nuclear fission bomb is going to go off inside the human heart. It's like an explosion of light. Uh, they're talking about it out at Kansas City. The great explosion of light that's coming forth. It's because, it, and it's inside of us. It's not like, oh, yeah, we got to get the right facility and all these different things. The great glory is, really is, is the glorification of man that explodes in light and releases Acts 3.21. Acts 3.2.1. Boom! The Lord is brought out of retention because of the restoration of all things. What? The restoration in you and in me, the light breaking forth. He, sa he says here that this prophetic word is not of some kind of private or personal thing. He's saying, I, this didn't originate with man. This message that even is coming to you because man willed it. It didn't come from human impulse. 
He's saying, God, move this message out by the Holy Spirit. This message was brought to us by his Holy Spirit into this realm. Let's all stand together. You are the avalanche. When the days run its course, like this song that Stephen's singing from John Mark McMillan, in the end. So many people is like, it can't be true. How could something like that transform everybody? picking up on the end of his life because he's he's prophesying what the younger man John is going to be in his 90s bringing forth the very revelation of Jesus Christ the beloved disciple the one who laid his ear right on the chest of the Lord very intimate I want to hear how your heart beats and what you feel you want to get up so close to him because he can feel his pleasure probably because he was so delighted in, he could easily delight in others. He was so much pleased with by the Father that he could say, oh, I want to be near. I don't want any hindrances in me, John. John saying as a young man, I don't want any hindrances in me. I want the flow of radiation of love to go through me and then back from him into me, back from him into me. He got hooked up on the ever love. He transfixed his heart. Next thing you know, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, And I beheld in heaven a door. And a voice came down to the heaven saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. John's writing, he says, Oh, when I beheld him, and when we behold him, we become like him, for we'll see him as he is. In the middle of being seen and known by him, the great election, the great predestination, the choice to lose our lives for his sake in the gospel. He just gets right into us and we say, I'm signing up again for love. And everything I ever wanted. I've been in the church since I was a week old. I've seen the great moves of God. I've seen some great moves. But I tell you, there's a God who's above the house of God. There's a God that's above that house of God that would choose Bethlehem, a place of, of obscurity when he should have been celebrated and hardly anybody knew. And then he would choose Jerusalem, the place of full exposure when he wanted no one to know he was fully exposed and he said that I, that we would be found in him Paul says 127 times I may be found in him 
beloved of the Lord, that we would be found in him, the, the John 15 through 17, great reality of the end of the age, that they may be one, Father, as we are one. There'll be no more disconnect. There'll be no more striving and triumph that we we the ecclesia caught up into the heavens governing with him ruling and reigning with him all because the inner man is so filled and delighted in with love not some kind of false chintzy kind of love but the real love the one that loses everything and has him as everything. The one that runs off the side of the mountain, proverbially speaking, and just runs out into the unknown and says, I'll take him because I want him more than my life. This is the great end move. And it will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. We have to ask for his we have to ask for his holiness. Sometimes holiness hurts, but it liberates us into gladness. I can't take part of God and not have all of God. Because we want all of you, Lord. Stephen sings this song. Let's come forth for the communion and we'll take communion together as a family. The day has run its course. You are the goodness. Oh, my sweetest friend. You are the avalanche falls upon us in the end. You are my reward for all the years have failed us. You my sweetest friend. You are the house around us. You are the good
Day has run its course, and you are the goodness, and oh, my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche that falls upon us. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.